All right, I'm Nick. I'm out of town. I'm out of the studio. I'm here in Duluth with my friends Alexander and Kaylin. And of course, they know uh, guests get to dedicate the episode. So we begin with Kaylin. Mars, what would you like to dedicate the episode to? Uh, just gratitude. Gratitude for the arts. Gratitude for self-expression, the freedom to do that. I love that. Alexander, do you have one specific? Yeah, to uh, Andre Tarkovsky for causing me to get extremely depressed yesterday because uh, my housemate said, although I was very good, he was better. <laughs> That's a good Okay, we're back on the St. Paul Filmcast. I'm Nick, uh, the host, and I'll let you know that I'm on a YouTube channel, Kyle and Nick on Film. You can find on YouTube uh, once a week. Kyle and I pick a movie that we're critiquing, so it's an opportunity to see what it looked like. Um, you can check it on YouTube. Uh, today we have returning uh, Alexander P. Gunnerman. Um, he's going to talk about his new um, project that just came out, and with him that worked on the set is Kaylin Mars. So thank you, guys. It, it hasn't come out yet, Nick. So uh, Okay. Do you want to you want to backtrack or do you want me to clarify? Please clarify that. Oh, helps. sure. We have yeah. we finished the first director's approved rough cut, so we're in post production. Okay. So it's, it, the rough cut's finished. There's a rough cut finished, and actually, okay. uh, my colleague Kalen here is working on another cut. We're we're probably going to release about midpoint next year. So about six months, a little more than six months. In I, I would say six to twelve months from now. Okay. Realistically. Um, and then uh, with Kaylin, uh, this is the second film you cut with Alexander or the first one? This is the first. Okay. Right. I, I did just some very light trailer uh, editing okay. from In Winter, the release okay. trailer of In Winter. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then it's primarily, this is, um, we're saying cutting, but you're actually, this is like full editing, like with sound and everything. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so the full edit, I mean, anything involving, anything involving sound and like really when you're getting into like just those final stages of post-production, yes. I mean, there may be some handoffs to some other people as well. Um, but you know, at least the initial assembly of the audio and the, you know, just the, at least the pre-editing and, um, I would say probably a majority of the final sound mix. Okay, yeah. and so the, you're going to be the, like the, both of you work together editing this movie, or are you going to be primarily just the editing and Alexander going to be in the room? Yeah, I mean, so we tag team. I mean, I'm more of the, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm the technical editor, right? Like I know yes. all the buttons to press, and, yes. and I, you know, I've been, I do, I'm, I edit probably 40 hours a week, so I can you know, go really, really fast, right? Yeah. But then edit, but then Alex is the, um, the the creative, the creative, you know, mastermind behind the whole thing, and we tag team. Okay. Yeah. Um, a lot of people would say like they're far more comfortable editing. Are were you on set when they were filming it, or are you just getting the the look of it now? Yep. So I was on set. So actually, Alex and I began to collaborate. I would say a year before we filmed. Okay. Yeah. And so you know, meeting weekly, at the very least bi-monthly, collaborating, spitballing ideas. Um, we would meet, we would, we would chit chat about cool creative concepts. We would chat about what may or may not actually be technically possible. I'm figuring out things like that. Alex would work on the script more, you know, and so we kind of went back and forth like that a lot. And then when it came to the production, I was involved heavily on the production as the technical director. So I was behind the camera, 
and okay. I was helping with lighting and, and you know and things like that. Well, it's good so to know was, that you, it's not you're not just the editor, but you've been involved in different hands in this process. Yep, that's right. Yeah, director of photography, um, and then also you know directing some of the PAs and just making sure the lights are right, the sound and all that. So okay, yeah. wonderful. And it's called the Hunter, right? Correct. Yeah, and it's going to be a full feature. It is a full feature. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> maybe, maybe yeah, can maybe, call it a double feature. I don't maybe. know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I would like to just ask you guys, and one of the other could take it. Um, how did this just start? I know you last time you were on here, Alexander. You talked about this was in in infancy, but um, it's kind yeah. of not blossom in film. So I'm trying to remember when 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 I was with you. I, I came down with Nora and uh, Joa, and we talked about in winter. And Kaylin was with us because we were doing other work in the cities, or he came down. But yeah. but that was a, a piece that spoke only very briefly. And I can't remember what year and when that was. It was, but but it probably was about a year before we shot the Hunter. It was the fall yes. of sixteen. I'm sorry, no, excuse me, the fall of eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah. So so I mean the the what happened, the sh the, 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 the 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 whole picture was so I when I when I handed off in in 2017 when I handed off in winter to Joa Colby uh, for color correction and to Tom Hamilton of uh, Undertone Music for yeah. sound design and sound work in the cities. That freed up my brain, and I had been, um, for whatever reason, um, looking at another piece, uh, another film that I guess you could call an existential exploration, and I was going out to Idaho. I was given a, a ranch cottage uh, in Idaho near Sun Valley by some friends to live in, and I wrote uh, three pages of script a day minimum, and I wrote The Hunter draft one out there. Uh, and that was 17 winter, 17, 18 that okay. winter. And then, wow, I can't believe we shot it in 19. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, in any case, so the, I then, my closest collaborator, uh, Nora uh, Targonsky O'Brien, who was the lead on In Winter, but also a cat does casting, production, writing, and her own direction, is basically a kind of a, multi-talented film person um she and i were kind of workshopping not work she, we were studying the script together as it developed and then through dale botten um i had uh, dale botten introduced me to kaylin mars around the time when i was um, getting a couple of different distribution releases for a secondary distribution deal for in winter and dale said well mars this kaylin mars is the best editor around I was skeptical because Dale is usually kind of superlative about stuff. And then me and me and Mars had a, uh, our first editing session, which I remember, where we were in his over in his house in in Wisconsin, and 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 Mars was looking at at this these issues of uh, musical beats and how musical beats played into when cuts would occur in rhythmic because he comes from a musical background. And I was yeah. like, wow, I really enjoyed it. It was great. And so what what we 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 it wasn't really forced. We just naturally began to develop a conversation about my second film. It to to where wherein it naturally developed that that really de facto there, there Mars is, a, is 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 close to a real co-director on the film in in the amount of depth and involvement I'm I am the title director because it's my project it's my vision and I'm making the final choices but he's been involved from very early development on all technical aspects through making the technical and camera aspects work on set to yeah. post. So, so Mars and Nora are, are the two most important collaborators that I have on this project. And from a technical standpoint, 
Kaylin is. And I, and I appreciate it because every time I say when I'm going to yeah. talk to you, you're like, well, you have to talk to my team. It's not just my project. Yeah. 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 So I mean, you, what, what, what I am, I perceive myself as, as almost the gravitational center of a very complex co cosmic or solar system with a lot of different planets and satellites hanging out with heavy gravity. So Mars might be a secondary smaller sun, in it, and, but, but I, I, I'm, I'm a gravitational, spiritual, artistic funnel. For the and people slide in, you know what I'm saying? We, we yeah. make these projects. I'm at the center of the funnel, they're my projects. Um, when did you guys do primary filming of this? We shot in October of 2019. Uh, in this very space you're in was one of our dimensional spaces, and then most of the rest of the film was shot at Denfeld High School in the sub basement, okay. which Ricky McManus uh, introduced us to. And then there's some interesting exterior shots that we may use in some of our versions. And there's one exterior scene that we haven't shot yet that we'll probably shoot at some point. So I just want to clarify for my listeners, yeah. we're, we're here now, we're on the road, we're in Duluth, Minnesota. So yes. um, is there something about the aesthetic of Duluth that gravitated or is it just um, natural, it just kind of, just kind of. Th this film, it's not the aesthetic of Duluth. We, this film is, what happened was I had a couple scenes that were gonna be shot in underground locations and yeah. tunnels. And so Ricky McManus from the Upper Minute, and I was looking at the cities, I was looking around, I was trying to figure out where I was gonna do it. Okay. And Ricky uh, showed me these uh, catacombs and labyrinths underneath Denfeld High, and I, I was like walking through them, and we walked through them, and all of a sudden I'm like, man, we're gonna shoot the whole thing here. This place is insane. <laughs> And it was. Okay. Yeah. That's good. It sounds like you went you went scouting for locations and this kind of fit. Yeah, it just this this when you see I mean, you've seen some when you see how this plays out cinematographically, you're like, holy, where is this place? This place is it has nothing to do with Duluth. What I mean by that is there is nothing in this film that would make you think that it's Duluth or anywhere else in the world. It could be anywhere in the world. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I just want to emphasize this was it's, it's just a place that served works. the needs. It's a place that works served and the it need worked economically. Yeah. Uh, we had a lot of team from here or from the cities. Our editing studios here. Our number one patron and lead executive producers here. The housing we could get was here. We we raised money here, and it's where I live. And <coughs> pardon yeah. me. Uh, with the hunter, um, would you want to give an overall just kind of a sense of what it's about? Um, I don't want to give too much <laughs> no, detail. No, no, well, and it's kind it's, of yeah. Here's here's what I can tell you, and then I'd I'd love to have. Kaylin comment on how that works in a technical standpoint, but okay. what it's about is what is it about? Yeah. Or when people say, what's it about? I say, exactly. <laughs> and we did have one person turn it off, uh, the rough cut, because they say, I, if I don't know what a film's about in 10 minutes, I turn it off or whatever. So he turned it off. So what the film is about is being about things. It's about meaning. It's about the structure of meaning. It's about the mind grappling with, with meaning. It's about a bunch of people trying to make something that's about something. Um, and uh, Mars may want to elaborate slightly on that. Well, I, I just want to let, because I was at the press conference and you guys, and I just kind of understand that it's not more of an answer. It's more of let's, well, let's go it, ask questions. It's a question, but I will say that, yeah. that yes, it's what it's about is it's a day in the life of two filmmakers who are making a film about a group of people who are trying to make a play while trapped in an underground labyrinth. <laughs> That's what it's about. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I think that that's one of the one of the greater challenges in filmmaking is to make something that's about trying to figure out what it's about. Yeah. And you know, it's it kind of you can. See I know what you. I know what you. Yeah. But there's a few. There's a few ways that the film is really self-reflexive, and I think you know, act as 
perhaps you could say access points to the audience. You know, one is that we do see the characters in the film trying to find answers. They're looking for a solution. They're, they're, they're problem solving, or they're trying to at least, you know? Yes. To what degree are they, are they successful? I mean, I guess, you know, you'll find out when you watch the film, right? Mm-hmm. But they take you on this adventure. So it's not, it's not that you're left wondering what the heck's going on, right? Like, they're, like they invite you in. The other thing is that technically it's self-reflexive and that, um, so there's these issues of time and space and we use camera techniques and ed- editing techniques to kind yeah. of reflect that as well. So. Um, you know, I think those those are two main ways where you could say, well, h- how is this actually accessible? And so we, we take those two approaches to make like that way. Simple, we could share that example where Chris Kelly is looking at the film while he's the over the shoulder. Yeah. Um, there, there's a there's what as an example yeah. specifically. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, there's in this in this editing studio. There's an over the shoulder shot on the person who's playing the film editor, right? Yeah. He's involved in a conversation with someone. And you can see on his big screen footage from the film that we are later going to see. So, okay, so that, that, I, I love that. Material, yeah. So I like that. It's almost like you're almost a Morbius strip of questioning, that's, answering, that, that, questioning. Well put. Well yeah. put. The film is circular. It's kind of circular in time, and it's 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 exploring time and space, and it's exploring the mind in the web of time and space, and it's intended to open open us into other dimensions and to other perceptions. See, I like this like this concept because we're yeah. talking about something you might be trapped in a loop, but you're on a maze, but you might have a destination. You might. Uh, or your destination might be you're starting over. Or again. your destination might be yourself because one of, one of the, the things that's gratifying to me is that a lot of people are having a response to the rough cut or some of the other material, which is I, what I'm hoping to do with the film. What I'm hoping to do, the idea, the little spiritual tagline is a, is an expansive experience in a restricted space. And the idea would be similar to a fusion reactor where if you press uh, hydrogen down, if you compress it enough, yes. it will then expand into energy. It will change form and expand with a tremendous burst of energy. And our hope is that we, we're almost compressing people's consciousness and, and not giving them an easy out. And compressing consciousness down to the point where consciousness then, in a sense, gives up, but then can expand. A Zen thing. Uh, another little tagline is, um, what do you do? Well, if you're in a labyrinth and you finally find out you can't leave, well, then that's your freedom. So anyway, there are a lot of ways to talk about it. But yeah. no, it's and I, it's and each think, individual's experience. And I think that in humans and everything, like an easy answer to anything, they, especially how do I change this? Well, they want an easy People answer. People want an easy answer, and, yeah. our in, and the industry provides easy answers, and that's fine, but, but my work doesn't. I mean, you saw In Winter. In Winter doesn't give easy answers. This film doesn't give easy answers. It's, no. it's just not what I do. No. Nothing easy about it. <laughs> um. When you guys working, did you have an ending in mind, or did that just come organically? Um, Mark, I'd, I'll say I'll say that the script has an ending. Okay. And we shot that ending, and so far, each of the three rough cuts that we have developed, each of the three cuts has a different ending. The first cut we developed has the ending as written in the script. Yeah. The second cut uh, we developed. Um, I think, oh, it also, it may also have the, but the cut that I recently developed has an alternative ending that I'm fairly fond of. And Mars is currently working on a cut and I have no clue how he's going to end it. Okay. <laughs> I've no clue, uh, but I, I want to yeah. add, and, and he may want to add too, that there are very significant sections of dialogue in the film inspired and, and based on Aristotle's poetics and other 
important documents about endings, about structures, about beginnings, middles, and endings. And in fact, at one point in one of our cuts, we actually say the end about two thir about a third of the way into the film. Ah. It just says the end. It just yeah. says it. So I don't know, Mars, do you want to speak to this at all? Sure. And that's kind of a, a risk, especially when you're an editor and you have something that says the end, but you're going to move on. And then, that, you know, that's mm -hmm. kind of like a staple, like, what is this person doing? Yeah. So it's kind of a, a little bit of a risk of a play on endings. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there's more or less an ending, but I feel like there's many endings. There's many beginnings yes. and there's many middles. And in a way, the film is about beginnings, middles, and endings. And, you know, and it's really hard to stop at a moment in your life and define it as specifically one of those things. And we're yeah. always in some kind of transition, and there's so many different parts of our life that intersect. Something may be going really, really well while we're struggling with something else. And so um, the film is kind of a reflection of that. So to say, is there like a definitive ending? Um, <laughs> it's a little bit difficult. It's really to, difficult to answer yeah. right i think and we get into like that kind of like what yeah right you i know. mean there will be an ending to any given sure. release right there, it's not going to be infinitely long <laughs> no it's not going to right it's well, not it's time long. um you know even even yeah. just in in the rough cuts and, and editing the film and, and you know playing a cut through and watching what is currently cut as the ending yeah um there we're starting to feel kind of a takeaway when i say we i mean like the like myself, Alex, the, the folks who are studying the footage as it's coming together, we're starting to feel a sense of something. There's a takeaway. So in, in a way, there's like a spiritual ending. And that's, that happens when the film, when you turn it off, you know, when it's over. And then there's, but there's a new beginning. There's a rebirth that we feel inside of ourselves. There's some, this uh, film uh, starts to inspire these internal questions inside of us. Yeah. You know, yeah. almost like, like being born again and seeing the world for the first time again and feeling a new sense of curiosity. Um, the, yeah. Nick, Nick Hansen, who's a director down in the cities and, and a friend of mine, a colleague, he said uh, he, he, he watched uh, the, one of the rough cuts and he, said, he referred to Eckhart Tolle and he said this is a new, a new vision. It's a new, because Eckhart Tolle had a book called uh, A New Earth. And so yes. he said this film is a new vision. It's a new something. It's a new vision. It's a new, it's, a, it's an unprecedented or new, or new way of presenting cinematic material. And that would, that's nice. I mean, that's nice. If, uh, several people have had similar. Another person said that they had out-of-body experience. They weren't sure where they were or what was going on. Another person said that they accessed an aspect of their consciousness that they're, that they're not used to. So that's the type of thing we're trying to achieve. And I think what's going to be far more interesting, and what happened to me when I watched Winter, is I had different sensations each time I watched it. I watched it three times, and I had a different oh, emotion. in Winter, yeah. yeah. Is that, you know... And I think um, what you're trying to trans transpire is you can watch the same movie again, but you can have a different reaction to it each the, time. This, this, Nick, this speaks to something that's very important to me. I firmly believe that as I'm asked, what do I believe is one of the important differences between what I would call art and what I would call industry entertainment or what have you? Yeah. To me, um, a work of art, and I don't care if it's a piece of music, a painter, is a living it's alive it's actually it's alive and in some way it's organic it has a, a personality it has an independent spiritual existence and when you approach it it's you're not going to approach it this like i love the movie speed with uh what's with uh sandra bullock and um what's that macho yeah. guy keanu keanu reeves yeah i've watched yeah. and that other guy dennis hopper okay one of the best straight up action entertainment films made 
great film. I've watched it nine times for entertainment, but I don't get these deep, subtle new experiences. I'm like, I want to watch Speed again. I want to do Speed again. You know, I want to have sex again. I kind of know. I mean, sex is a little different, but I, I kind of yeah, know what I know. I'm getting into. But but Beethoven's Violin Concerto or a painting by Edvard Munch, and I dare say my film work, it, they're going to come at you in different ways at different yes. times. I, I and then this film, holy moly! If you don't turn it off, man, woo. <laughs> Look out. <laughs> Do you have a sense of uh, how long it's going to be? Um, I'm going to let the editor speak to that, and then I might add something. <laughs> okay. Between zero and ten hours. No, here's, here's ten Kaylin. Hours. Well, that, well, ten hours. That's a good count. Yeah, yeah so for an estimate on total runtime, I have absolutely no idea. Okay, good. Um, okay. And I say that because as we've been going through various cuts i mean i've i've seen the 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 runtime change drastically i think it went it started at what was it alex three and a half yeah okay so three hours and 40 minutes is where we began right so it's a process of refinement we're just sculpting it so yeah i don't i don't know where it's going to end up well that's well you always say you have to cut yeah, something let, you let me can't just add, add that yeah, we go are, ahead. there are also going to be at least two cuts. There's going to be some kind of release cut that that for some kind of distribution of some sort. And I think we may have, and, and then there's going to be a director's editor's cut that that may actually be four or five hours long that we don't really care if anyone watches. But like the the there will be a release cut that will be under two hours. Okay. I, because I I had a great we have right now we have a we have a cut we're looking at that's about uh, about about an hour and fifty. No, about 212. It's about 212 right now. And I, I had a really good talk that I haven't shared the details yet with uh, with our colleague Chris Kelly in L.A. He he also played a role. He's, he, a, he's in the movie too. Yeah, yeah he okay. played the editor. And he is an award-winning editor, director, writer. And he's very, very, he's brilliant and very talented. And he had some feedback around cutting that I'm going to share with Mars. So one of the cut versions that Chris watched, I know I can bring down under two hours. And I have a distributor who's asked for a two-hour or less film. So there's one thing. But when you turn us loose to like do whatever we want, and I want to make sure every scene is in there, we're, we'll probably be sitting at around three and a half, four. Three and a half would be my guess. I would like that option as a package. I would think that I think anybody, especially the, the people that made the movie, and they want to see the full extent of this is what I really want to see. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's to pick an example, there's a there's a really amazing scene with Valerie Rose, who's a, a talented actor from the cities, and then John Cromwell, who's a California actor. And it, in that scene, it's in, in a couple of the cuts we have, it's not in the film at all, right? But, but I know that no matter what happens in any of our given shorter cuts, when I create a director's cut, every scene will be in the cut. I'm not saying the entirety of every scene, but every bit of work that all the actors did will be represented in that cut. That's nice, yeah. Um, were you guys able to do any, a lot of rehearsing? Or you're not um, we did some table reads. We Nora would be the best to answer that. Okay. Um, I would. Sh- the actors we were dealing with really, really high level actors from around the country, including this area. Um, we didn't do a heavy amount of rehearsal, but their prep was outstanding. Okay, that's yeah. 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 Sometimes if you do enough prep, you don't need to do the, the pr- their yeah. prep was outstanding. Yeah. We filmed the rehearsals. You filmed the rehearsal scenes too. Yeah, we well, right. Okay. So like, and, and it wasn't necessarily scripted as a rehearsal scene, <laughs> sure. right? Or was it? 
we filmed it like it was. We filmed it like oh, it was oh, the oh. like the documentary version of the scene. There's that one. There's that one scene. I kind of like that. Throws me. Yeah. I kind of like that. Right. Oh, that scene. Uh, yeah. The one with the tank. <laughs> yep. That's right. Oh, you see. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. We filmed it. There were there were a couple of scenes. So one of the aspects. So 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 the the structure, the conceptual structure of the film is the biblical book of Ecclesiastes, where you have this attempt of the narrator to find meaning or significance in existence, and and uh, he he fails to find it, pursuing pleasure and pursuing wisdom. Now there's a there's a specific um, Jewish theological conclusion from that book, but because we're not advancing a particular theological position, we 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 don't give that conclusion directly. If, right. if implicitly it's one conclusion you can take, that's your business in a way. But so there's a thread within the film of this man and this woman who are searching for some kind of carnal connection, uh, bodily connection, heart to heart. So that's pleasure. There's another thread with this philosopher and people wandering around trying to figure stuff out. And there are these frustrations along both of those threads. And then what you might call the spine of the film is this theater company that's trying to bring a performance piece un in this underground labyrinth about the book of Ecclesiastes to life by opening night. And so a number of the scenes are of that theater company rehearsing. I get it. Okay. So we're shooting rehearsals. And some of the scenes we break wall in that the moving camera will, will will capture our own film team shooting the rehearsal or boom mics dropping in the corner. People are like, boom mic and shot. And we're like, okay, boom mic and shot. Okay, <laughs> All right. boom mic and shot. <laughs> uh, wait, the corner, you can see the guy's, you can see the person's uh, remote uh, microphone they have strapped on their back. It's making a bulge in their shirt. All right. So, you know, there, like there it is. On, on that note. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a, a moment in a scene where one of the props, one of the set pieces actually broke. <laughs> and the actor, oh. re, well, everyone remained in character. Yeah. And he fixed it and then just kept on, we kept on rolling, you know? And, and um, you know, I think that's actually in one, in the current cut now. It is, yes. You know, just there's you moments. You hear the crew in the background talking. Yeah. All right. And I think from, from outsider looking in, it very much feels like, like a, what I say, like a loop that they know they're in the stage, but they're pretending, you know, they're acknowledging that they're not, but they also know that they're somehow in it. They're conscious of it. That's correct. And there's yeah. a loop. We literally use a loop because we loop. There are messengers who travel through this labyrinth. And there's literally a loop where we see a messenger like in an MC Escher print going down these stairs. Then he appears at the top and goes down again. And he, so he's literally infinitely looping in these stairs. Did you guys like... Um, do any like other research before you get started research and i know you did a lot of you always do extensive research before you get filmed but what's some of the things that kind of well i think caitlin should speak to technical research or research from other films we, we yeah. let i want to i want to think about it for a minute are you okay talking about that like yeah. some of the films we watched and talked about and things just your research and then i'll sure yeah so what are some of the things you guys watched before you got even started or yeah. Well, so for me, there's one that immediately jumps to mind, but this is actually something that I was uh, made aware of when I was back in, in school. Okay. Um, that's the film Memento. Yeah. And uh, just real quick, it's, you know, if, if you haven't, if, well, I don't want to blow the ending, but I'm going to have to kind of explain it just real quick. Somebody. Well, if anybody, has, uh, they could pause it right now. All right. And we'll move up about 30 seconds. So yeah. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. So, so there's an individual who has a, a, a traumatic injury. 
yeah. and loses the ability to have any long-term memory, right? Yeah. So he just, just has, he has, he has a, a short-term memory about, maybe you can remember about 10, 15 seconds, right? And so the, the movie is about him trying to figure out who murdered his wife. With the short-term memory disorder. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, the movie is shot as jarringly as you must imagine his, his perception would be. Yeah. Right? It wasn't until I watched the movie three or four times that I realized all the scenes were backwards. Yeah, it was filled backwards. It was edited right. backwards. Yeah. I didn't realize that until I'd watched it five times. Right? Yeah. And so if then, you really capture the ending, it's almost dreadful how you really interpret the ending. That's, mm-hmm. uh, yes, that he's yeah. kind of stuck. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, you see, that's Christopher Nolan. That's like a Hollywood film, you know? And so there's still, despite how cool and artsy that is, there's still like a very like distinct structure to it. But, you know, just watching that made me realize, oh my gosh, like you can do that. You can play with time in an edit, you know? Yeah. And so that, that's actually what kind of primed me for then meeting Alex. Cause I watched that movie before I met Alex. So I was blown away by that. So then, yeah. yeah so then when I met Alex and we started talking about this, I was like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for this. Like I, this is, I want to do this. So what, so some of the technical things that we're looking at is manipulating time, you know, did a scene happen before or after? Like, yeah. when is this, you know, are we going forwards or backwards, you know? And, and we're seeing multiple narrative, um, threads from different groups of people in the yeah. film. Right. Yeah. And how are they intersecting? Are they intersecting on the, on a linear path or, you know, and what, what, what is it that's happening? So realizing that, and some, some of the stuff is almost like, it's not exactly within reach because these are like philosophical concepts or spiritual concepts. Well, like we said at the beginning, we're mm-hmm. going to be probably asking questions and not getting answers. We're going to continue. Yep. Yeah, Ex- exactly. But there's like a, there's like a sandbox that an artist can reach into and sort of like grasp some of these concepts and just exist there when they then go and do their craft. I like that. You know, I really do. I like that. Yeah. 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 And I'll, I'll say that, you know, what for me when I was, this is a great question. I was thinking about research. And so, I have what you would call tangential research or absorptive or osmotic research, and then I have what more direct research, right? So, you know, from Mar- Mars and I talked a lot about um, lighting, and, and Mar- we, we did a lot of work, and Mars did a lot of, a lot of work with, with lighting being used very differently. Uh, okay. Lighting coming at rather than on the subject, coming at us, uh, the viewer, rather than just being on the subject. Um, we also Mars again. Mars had studied uh, in his schooling a lot of uh, European work, and and we 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 actually also um, there's philosophical and mathematical stuff that I studied in my background that we brought together. The, for example, what you'll see in this film, you'll see a lot of uh, insertion of textual cards and and literally linguistic information mixed in. Okay. There's also plays with different types of cinema. You're going to see certain things that will appear. Uh, what you might call almost a mainstream TV drama. Some of our st- stuff is explicitly cut to look like kind of this mainstream high-definition TV drama, like the scenes with Nora and Chris Kelly. Okay. There's some stuff that we edited uh, with, this, with graininess and the strange sound um, backdrops of a silent film. And then there's a weird surreal mix of textual cards with silent film in a contem- with a contemporary lighting style based on Picasso's Blue Period that's never been done before. So what I would say that for me more specifically in terms of research, from an aesthetic standpoint, I often look at different styles of painting because I was a painter and I'll look at, we, we looked at Picasso's Blue Period um, and we, and if you watch, when you watch the film and you see the man and the woman in the woman's chamber, it'll it's quite striking how we were able to capture that type of okay. feel. We, we also used the look of Edward Hopper for some of the loneliness 
um, where where I also got some important uh, information was from a film by Bellatar called uh, The Man from London, where there's an extremely austere and beautiful use of black and white and shadow and light. And we, we looked at that. And then with Tarkovsky, although I think our third film that we're working on now developing is going to be most in some ways most influenced by by some of the things Tarkovsky was doing or trying to do. One of the things that Tarkovsky does um, really powerfully is is creating the subjective experience of characters. So it's not just us looking in at a character, it's what's the character looking at. Right? Yes. And so yes. There, he explained it far more better than well, I could. Yeah. Know. And so there's some there's a couple of things that we're we're playing around with in these cuts with some of our B-roll footage uh, to to look at what um, uh, 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 what a character is experiencing, and then lastly, um, there's there's some there's some aesthetics in a couple. There, there's there's a particular aesthetic in a in a shot through a window that for me is Scandinavian, and it's probably like I was talking to Chris. It's really um, it's it's the it's the sculptor viewed through a window, and I I will say for the record that that particular sequence is equal to anything I've ever seen in any film, in its in its power. Uh, the the acting and in the the cinematography and the power and in fact we we should show it to you before you leave. Okay, wonderful. And you can decide for yourself if I'm if I'm right or not. Sorry, that's a long-winded answer. Uh, and then of course the biblical book of Ecclesiastes is a huge, huge influence because not only does Ecclesiastes appear explicitly in the film, it it the, it, the structure of the film came from the voyage in Ecclesiastes. Okay, that's the most important. Sound like research. this is the foundation of it. It's the foundation of it for sure. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to take a little break. Um, that was all great about uh, the upcoming film that you guys are going to probably about next year. We're looking mid next year, uh, 2021, The Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the Hunter. It's, I, yeah. Next year. It'll come out in 21. Probably. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll take a little break and we'll Thanks, come back Nick. with Alexander and Caleb when we talk about their future. What's coming up for them in the upcoming stuff. All right. Thanks. Every day, we're surrounded by media, books, movies art, music, games, apps, podcasts, etc., etc. With this constant bombardment, it's easy to miss great media gems in the chaos. But fret not, you've come to the right place, my friend. I'm Jason, and I love media. I invite you to check out the Mixed Media Forest podcast, the podcast where I trudge through the forests of media to find hidden gems for you, the listener. Every episode of Mixed Media Forest is chock full of fun, reviews, nostalgia, positivity, news, rants, stories, and recommendations about all things media. Again, that's the Mixed Media Forest podcast, created on Anchor Podcasting app and available everywhere fine podcasts can be found. Give it a listen. It's what all the cool kids are doing.
Okay, Bradford. Uh, break with Alexander and uh, Kaylin, and uh, we just talked about the, the Hunter. Um, and let's talk a little bit what's in your guys' future, what's, in there, uh, what's on your radars for our upcoming projects and stuff. Well, um, we, are, we are now, now that we're in post on this project, um, I mean, I know Kaylin has stuff he's working on that's his own work, and he okay. can chat about that. But for this, this team, um, we have a film called Threshold that we're developing, uh, and, and it looks like we're going to include a lot of this core team, uh, me, Nora, and Kaylin. Uh, Jessica Graham, Catherine Partington, who played the choreographer in The Hunter, John Arkin, uh, others from The Hunter. Um, so we're what we're doing is we're studying material. We're not at the script phase yet. We're getting together and talking about cinematography. We're talking. Uh, Mars Mars can talk a little bit about uh, kind of a, uh, how we're going to handle that or what we're talking about. But okay, the um, we're working on the piece. It's going to be shot in New York or Philadelphia, probably New York. And it's another another uh, existential exploration. In this case, uh, the core of the film is a a scholar who's working on a project on Dostoevsky, and he has a psychiatric and spiritual breakdown around human evil, and he he's become suicidal as he's beginning to contemplate what human beings are capable of doing to one another, and and his his whole social circle is affected by that. And it's called Threshold. Threshold. Okay. <clears throat> um, and Kaylin, you're part of it too. Yeah, so I'll be involved heavily with the technical um, aspects of production. Okay. Um, are you guys going to do any like storyboards or kind of set up like a shot list or anything? Yeah, definitely. So, so we're not at the point yet where we've discussed that or made specific plans for it, although I do suspect um, there will definitely be some of that going on. Okay. I know that we have discussed that from a technical uh, point of view, um, whereas in The Hunter camera movements were like an additional character in the film or in other words the camera movements were so unique that the way the camera was being moved added a new perspective exactly yeah the gaffing yeah 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 Yeah. um so whereas the where it was that's the hunter but with threshold we're going to be focusing more on um being a little bit more subtle with the technical aspects and just letting the um the actors really deliver okay yeah. yeah, I like that. I like that little difference. It might be a little more of a challenge for you because of different uh, disciplines. But using the camera as most as a viewer rather than a participant. Right. Yeah. The um, for for Mars and, and me, uh, Mars and I, um, mm-hmm. the the hunter we we it's really been it's almost psychedelic. We really um, we 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 created this buffet when you when you each scene is visually distinct each scene. Yeah. Although there, are, although when you look at say the the ones here, they're they're those are are consistent. But and it, it was it was like being almost in a candy store in terms of being able to do anything and play around, and it's very playful. The hunter is actually very comical in many ways and very playful. And what it's almost the way I would describe this for the next one is if you can imagine a peacock, right? But imagine that you told the peacock that you put a, a rubber band on on the peacock's tail so it couldn't spread out its tail. And you said to the peacock, you still got to impress. You still got to do something beautiful. You still have to do something significant. But we're not going to let you flash. We're not going to let you flash with all these. And so then what, what as Kaylin was saying, it's going to be about performances, content, because I'm getting frustrated. You see, I spent all this time writing these scripts and thinking about stuff, and I'm like, oh, man, your DP is awesome. Man, these visuals. 
In fact, I, I once had somebody tell me that the visuals on In Winter were so beautiful that they were distracting them from the rest of the film. <laughs> I mean, that's like, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that, that we, Caitlin and I are probably gonna have to resist the temptation, especially if Chip Duggan's involved, or to like, we're gonna wanna do weird stuff. We love it. Yeah. I don't know, will we be able to make it completely not weird? That, who knows? Like, I'm all yeah. like, you know. It's hard, especially with a cinematographer, because you kind of want to show what you're capable of, but you understand what the movie is asking you to do also. But the other thing is that we've also, it's not, it, first of all, the framing is, is just, the framing, the set design is going to be at a new level, but also it's not so much, it's just not flashy. In other words, we're still going to be planning and thinking, well, will we shoot that one through that vase? What's the positioning of this? What's the color? What, what, what's... There's, it's gonna be, you're gonna to have to, if you're watching, it's not gonna be hitting you in the face. The cinematographic work, you're gonna, you're gonna be able to find it, but it's not gonna be like, like hitting you like a weapon. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, did you, how did you start writing The Threshold? I haven't started the script yet, but I started, but each of these projects has been only possible in a particular place I am in life at the time. So In Winter was a, was a like erotic, existential pain and then the hunter is what you might call a midlife crisis film around significance so this is a dark night of the soul this is having been plagued by certain things for my entire life i've decided okay i'm going to try and face yeah. the, look drill into these things to their very core so i've become pretty depressed actually it's been very difficult since i made the decision to do this film it's already affected me and i'm not even writing the script yet are uh, you kind of worried that it's going to Tail into one way, pull away into one direction that you don't I, want to go, or I'm just worried. I'm worried about that. How to do handle my mental health as I'm dealing with this film. I'm worried about, you know, okay. that that the because the, the main character is suicidal in a psych ward. There's a question as to whether he will choose to live, and I don't just I I become I enter into my films. I don't. So so this is just me wrestling with you know Camus yeah. asked. Camus said, well, the question of our life now is whether or not to commit suicide. And, and the, film, the question of this film is the real deepest question of Threshold is if we know what human beings have perpetrated on other human beings and are doing right now, how can we continue to endorse existence by remaining in it? Right. That's the question he's asking. If you are aware of what's going on, how yeah. can you go but about it? not just that? aware. It's not about being aware. Okay. Intellectually, it's about being emotionally aware. Okay. Okay. And that's a huge difference. Intellectually aware sure. is a kind of an academic, sure. but emotionally. So, the, so, so as yeah. the film is conceived now, sorry to cut, there's the opening yeah. shot. I've discussed the, this with, with um, as the film is conceived now, Jessica Graham will play the partner of this person who's, who's okay. having the crisis. I haven't cast him. And, and the film, so Mars is going to have his people or he's going to, or somebody's going to be panning across this New York City bookshelf. Like, and I'm going to have, we're going to select all the volumes like Aristotle and Shinoa Shebi and all these people. And then it's going to go through Russian literature, pan over to this desk where he's working on the study, but he's not there. And, and, and Jessica comes in and she's going to open up this folder and there are going to be all these classic photos of inhumanity from the Holocaust, from the, the Armenian genocide, from the civil war, lynchings of black people, just everything. And she's going to be looking through these photos. And we, like, you know how Von Trier will often use photos or art books? Yes. So does Tarkovsky and Von Trier will often. So, and Von Trier is an important influence also, but like we're not, no dialogue. And she's just going to be reacting to these photographs. And you as an audience member are going to be looking at these photographs as well. And so what happens is this is her discovery that her partner is has been hoarding these and who hoards this kind of photo you know unless you're have to so uh, you have to anyway 
So, so Mars, I know, has been thinking about glass, I think, in that film. I don't know if you want to talk about that in terms of yes, shots. Yes, please. Or yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Or threshold. I remember you talking about glass and lenses. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Right. No, um, you know, so utilizing more of the, the set, if there's going to be anything that's like a special effect or something that yeah. looks extra fancy, it's actually really just utilizing what we have available um, as an onset resource, you know, shooting through things. Um, so, you know, in a way, it's, I guess, simplifying the technical process moving forward, but, but we're, still, we're still honoring the set. Okay. You know, we're still creating a beautiful product. Are you looking forward so, to doing it in New York? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I am. Yeah, for sure. Are you guys planning on doing any scouting in New York or just set in stone that we're going to do in New York and let's figure it out later? Well, I, I'm from the city and I go back there a lot. And okay. I, I was really pleased to, I, I, Mars and I gave a talk at a festival there a while back. So I got, he got to hang out in my neighborhood and we got to spend time together. And that was really good. Um, whenever I go to the city, I scout. And, it, and, and, and there's, there's kind of, the, the film has a pretty strong theological and religious component. And one of the things that's really incredible on the skyline or in New York is like, you can see these very old churches and then you see surrounded by this modern glass and steel and all this. And so there are a lot of images I'm seeing where you're gonna see, and that's very, very evocative of the fragility and smallness of a spiritual consciousness in the power of the secular world, right? Yeah. And so that's, that's one of the key aesthetics. And then another one is that there's one character Called, uh, who's a poet and she she wanders this she's working on a manuscript and she's also dealing with some serious trauma of losing a child uh, a son uh, in some rough way um, and I'm I'm there are these an example there are these parks little little urban parks in Midtown where there are these um, fountains that come down these walls through plexiglass and okay. she can walk through these tunnels underneath this falling water so there's this in, this urban what you might call an urban beauty um, that this this woman will be seen in these different spaces in New York, along with uh, international poetry and her own original poetry being yeah. voiceovered. Yeah, yeah. So you can do uh, some exteriors. There will be many exteriors, many. and so well, I actually, I'm right now. I'm working with a production client. I'm trying to get the possibility of having Kaylin go out and do some shooting for some people, and then he and I taking a two or three days and walking around the city. Wonderful. Yeah. I think that helps, especially for being a cinematographer that you be on, be part of the scouting team, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really, you know, helps with the pregame to to be able to kind of have an idea of what you're going to be working with as you're imagining and, you know, creating creating yeah. the, the film and working through concepts. Like, I, I like the idea of, of working with what resources you have available, yes. you know? And yeah. so on a personal note or on a personal level, I like to... Um, write exactly like write to my own resources figure out okay. who i have to work with where i'm at what's my location and then write to that so yeah i feel like that's you know going going out and scouting that's 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 exactly what we get to do you know we get to work wonderful within our means are you going to yeah. be able to use more than one camera for this yep okay for sure okay. you know and whether or not we actually choose to do that depends on what we're trying to go for you know sometimes you want to capture multiple angles you know sometimes just having a single camera is exactly what you need just the the scene can yeah. call for know different things sometimes it just saves time like i like that angle better than the other one and yeah yeah that's and that's yeah you know what that's a really interesting point there are certain cases where it's like oh my gosh like we are running out of time and get, grab all the cameras get all the angles and boom you know um but then there's the question of are we are we are you know is there going to be some sort of compromise that happens yes and i think inevitably there is and i know that in hollywood oftentimes 
multicam is so that you can shoot your big film in a month, you know, and get it all done, boom, and just get it out, bang it out. Yeah. That's not what we're, that's not what we're, we're doing with this with No, this you film, should primarily right? when you have an yeah. independent film and you have two yeah. cameras, it's like maybe, maybe this is an angle that I didn't think about mm-hmm. and you set yeah. it up there. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So, right. Yeah. So when we use multicams, it's not as much about trying to save time. It's more about what the scene is trying to call for. And you, yeah. you saw that we looked at um, just a preview of some footage from The Hunter and there's a few moments where you saw the dual the dual camera, the two yeah, the shots up at once. Screen. Yep. Yeah. You know, and that's an example where you would need to film multi-cam. You couldn't do that if you filmed everything individually because it wouldn't be in sync, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, just two real quick things that I want to add. Sure. About what we're talking about. One is that just like in winter is the north, right? It's not a Minnesota film. What I mean by that is not to disparage Minnesota films or regional films, but it's the north. That we don't use place names, we don't use street signs, yeah. we don't use accents, we don't use anything because it's the North as a symbol. So in The Hunter, the underground, the labyrinth is the labyrinth. It's not a labyrinth underneath the high school in Minnesota. And that's what I was ground. trying to emphasize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now New York, there's a reason why I want to shoot in New York. Much of it is probably unconscious. It's my hometown. It, it, it would. It's an incredible... But it's ultimately that New York is a world unto itself. New York City is not. In, and when I imagine this film, although I joke, it's like Woody Allen, the early Woody Allen meets Andre Tarkovsky, right? Yeah. I actually, I don't see this as a New York film in this sense. To me, New York is the world. It's actually a world. And so... For me, it's almost as though this this city is the world. It almost is because it has its own gravity. And it's like the way that I want this film to be experienced is not like people have a New York accent and they're talking about Mayor Bloomberg and they're complaining about the subways. It's that these universal issues are playing out on this gorgeous, dirty, disgusting, sublime, unique stage. That's what I was trying to emphasize that. Yeah, 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 that the yeah. location is finding you what you yes, need for yes. you. Right? Yeah. It's, it's just, and visually, like I can't, Mars, like Kaylin is never, to work on a feature in New York and to have that visual, the, the amount of visual possibilities is just mind boggling, right? So the, the, the only other thing I want to say about camera use is that I'm often pulling the sec. I'm often the second camera operator, and the thing that's so cool is people will say on set that Mars and I, we literally almost don't have to talk to one another. We go from one setup, and all the oh, you doing? The we understand what the other's doing and what they're getting, and so it's not just about two angles; it's about two consciousnesses that understand each yeah. other on one. Thanks actor for yes, on one yeah. scene, but but what Mars is doing is what he's doing. He knows what I'm doing and why. I know what he's doing and why. And we both know why we're doing it in relation to the film. So, so it becomes this almost dance of vision. Yeah. yeah. Well, was the, always talk about the you know, film is always a compilation. It's a team work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And once you become yeah. a team, you understand what, what he has to, what's really what talent each other is bringing and how you can yeah. eventually like, work like, together. And I, I'll never pull focus on a moving... I'll never pull focus on a moving subject, anything close to like Kaylin can do. I never even bother to try. So if we have a complex scene where Nora's walking throughout the room and we're gonna get pulled focus 
mediums, it's all Mars. Meanwhile, I'm going to be working on like just this profile close up on Chris Kelly, and I'm going to be looking for the most interesting composition while Mars is getting the elegant. So we're yeah. always doing yeah. something thought through there. Um, especially when you work a lot of technical stuff, uh, are you thinking about costuming or how it's um, part the, the, of the I would say this, that each time, I, I mean, I've only, only, good God, that's, I've, I've made two features, right? And with each feature, I become more conscious of costume, more conscious of set, et cetera. So we'll be more conscious next time. But what I will say is that when you watch The Hunter, we had a certain principle that we have a number, we have quite a few people of color in our film and we, because there, we were using symbolism and chess and this and that, we had our, in the underworld, we had our people of color would wear a white t-shirt or something white to okay. offset their darker skin and our Caucasians or paler skinned people would wear something black yeah. so that we were almost creating a chess player motif because the idea was that in that dimension, they were chess pieces being manipulated by the director and the editor. But within that dimension, there's also a scene with a chess board. So it's a chess scene inside a chess scene. Yeah, and I just from watching a little clips of the hunter and seen from winter, I have obviously seen costuming become a major emphasis, much more established, you know, yeah, much more absolutely. clear. Especially more when thought. Jessica wearing the sculpture, her costume almost blends into her environment. Correct, yeah. correct. Yeah, there was yeah. more thought, and there will be. And and what what I'll say about the next film is that I've actually thought that I may go with very with no makeup. And, and very natural, very natural in terms of costume, and, oh. no, and like like super realistic, like okay. And, but but the set design and the set presentation is where I think we're really going to explode in the next film. Okay, is my sense in the interiors. So it, it's, I'm talking about also a lot of challenge of scale as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, in winter was was a certain budget. In winter was not a union film. In winter had. Uh, a certain high level of, of excellent talent and acting and, and camera. And then The Hunter was um, another, I would probably say, af, when all things are said and done, forty fifty thousand dollars $50,000 with award-winning actors, not just from Minnesota, but from around the country. Yep. With more, so it was a union film. Uh, it's a film that, that has advanced distribution interest. So again, it's a little bit of a, it's not, I'm not saying it's yeah. better. It may, I don't know what's better. It's, in winter is my first film. It's it's just from a scale standpoint and from certain objective measures, it's another notch up. So yeah. I don't know what I, I don't know about the third film. I know that we will be a notch up in everything we're doing. I don't mean it's gonna be better. I mean my demands and my standards, and I know Mars is we're gonna we're deeper, we'll be more conscious. And that's what the natural right. part of the question was when you continue to work, you always have to think scale. You wanna go back down, you wanna keep going up. You or, know, yeah. interestingly, and yeah. I think Kaylin can comment to this technically, but I'll say this there are many ways that the next film will be simpler and clearer and and more less complex in scale and logistics than this one. And I'd I'd be interested to hear what Kaylin has to say from yeah. that standpoint. Yeah, well, you know, I guess that um, you know, anytime there's a, a group of folks that are working together for the first time. Yeah. Or anytime somebody joins a group and now they are working with these other folks from the first time, there's like this feeling there's a sense of like an orientation, you know? Yeah. And so um don't get me wrong, um, on The Hunter, like we were in sync and we had a blast, right? But in comparison to uh, Threshold, yeah, in a way, that is kind of like 
an orientation phase. Now we're stepping in and we're a little bit more seasoned as a team because we've already worked together. Yeah. You know, we've, we've had, we've faced challenges together, you know, we've been in the trenches a little bit and we've had to figure out how to overcome obstacles. So we have that and that's part of, and that's now at that point, it means we've developed a relationship that's naturally ingrained in us. And so that means that as we move forward on the next project, we will have an in-sync natural reaction to those obstacles that we face in the next film. Okay. Yes. And I want to add something else that I see probably being different. Because of many factors, but primarily the nature of my creative relationship with Kalen on this film and the nature of the material, Post is a jigsaw puzzle mystery. I swear to God, this film can go in so many different ways. This film is a mystery, right? The one who we're working on. The Hunter, all right? I mean, we're still, we're still exploring and we could find new roads tomorrow. We don't yet, we're working on, so in other words, the script and the material lend, it's like mosaic, but a mos it's not a mosaic where the tiles, you know where to put them. You got these beautiful tiles and we're working on what to do with these tiles, right? And yeah. we're, but one thing that I can tell you is that I think this next film, we're gonna be, without losing that organic life force, we're gonna be really shooting closer to an edit and off a script that studied, a script that studied to a finished edit, then a storyboarded shot list that's studied to an edit and an edit that goes back to those. It doesn't mean we won't find new things on the set, we will. It doesn't mean that the edit and everything else won't be live, but I just feel like that's another area for us to explore. This is the script. We've really loved, we've studied it. This is our script. All the actors are working with it. Now me and Mars are like, this is our shot list. These are our storyboards. We know every setup. Granted, extra time you see something, but not like it was on The Hunter. Oh, okay. We were like going spontaneously on the fly. He has a few ideas of what to cover, and then we would pick up more stuff, right? Okay. Not that I don't see that this time. And then I think when we get into editing, we will not be trying to find the first rough that somehow we'll be like, okay, let's make the film. It's yeah. a different, it's not better, it's not worse, but I feel like it's, it's us pretending to be not pretending, it's us exploring in the realm of a more standard way of working. Okay. With non-standard material to present a non-standard. But what I want, and I told Mars and we're working, is that I want people to think that this is a normal movie. My first two films, I want them to possibly think they're watching a normal movie until they start really paying attention. Whereas my first two films, you immediately know they're not normal. Right. Like in yeah. winter, what's this eight minute and 30? And this thing is insane. The Hunter is as soon as it's insane. Literally, this film is, is, is mentally ill. So, so, and also very healthy. Does that make sense, Kaylin? I mean, yeah. from your, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like that. Um, so on the side of the threshold, do you have another, another thing you're working on, Kaylin? Yeah, definitely. Um, so so I, I'm in the process of diving into um, uh, some short films that I'm going to shoot Okay. Completely on my own, and it's going to be me out in the woods with the camera, um, capturing nature footage, and then editing meditational films. And I might use voiceovers featuring poetry from other artists or things like this. But yeah, yeah. Um, just uh, music, things like that, uh, but very nature-driven. How are you? Are you doing the visuals and then looking for the content, or do you have content then looking for the visuals? Um, yeah, great. So, so actually both. So I'm just, I'm just. It's going to be a sort of a sandbox approach here. Okay. Going out right. and creating um, assets. But I, I will say this though. I usually for something like this, I feel the most inspired when I find the music first. Yeah. Um, sometimes I find the music and I can just listen to it and I feel 
um, an overwhelming sense of emotion and then I start to see visuals and so um, so it's gonna be a process like and, and when I find music like this I usually log it so yeah so yeah it's a process of going through all the music that's just affected me over the last year deciding which one is still affecting me today and then and then spending some time with that music listening to it storyboarding it in my mind and just going out shooting the yeah. nature footage and and putting together some nice little meditational shorts um, and I also feel like doing this is a great way to like I've just been through kind of a commercial rush of doing a lot of a lot of commercial work so something yeah. like this is, is a regrounding process to kind of help me you almost kind of need it right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. where did I, where did my origins all oh, this right yeah. exactly yeah yeah um when you talk about short films you're like five minutes or ten yeah. or something like that just oh just off the top of my head i was thinking three to four minutes okay however um it could easily it could easily develop into something longer yeah you know and i i like the idea of doing something that's episodic i agree you know? yeah nice nice and I'll, I'll just say that in addition to Threshold, yes, I'm working on um, um, Threshold is my, my number one new creative project. I'm working with Kaylin very closely on Post on The Hunter. I'm working on In Winter's uh, continued ability to derive audiences and strangely enough royalties. Um, and then I, um, I'm also producing, I'm, I'm working, uh, collaborating with a, a local, uh, an enjoyable local production that actually Caitlin will also be working on called Lifties, which is kind of a Lifty. rednecks okay. on the, you know, rednecks on the ski slopes sort of fun comedy thing that's being shot by or directed by a friend of mine who helped on in, on the hunter. And then I'm producing, uh, I'm helping to two um, gentlemen who are doing an African-American episodic travel program that's kind of inspired by Anthony Bourdain, but instead of about food, it's about artists. So oh. they're visiting artists of color around the world and, and doing this kind of artistic documentary work. Um, and so I'm, I'm come on as a producer of that project. That sounds really yeah, good. It's, yeah, it's very, it's like very good. And they just got a festival acceptance I'm going to be announcing on Facebook. Wonderful. And then there's, um, and then there's some other production work that I'm doing, just helping people. Uh, people are, are asking you know, me to help them because when you've been able somehow to bring two feature films to completion when you're actually distributed and actually getting checks for your first one, people are interested in knowing, they're very interested in knowing how that was accomplished. So I have calls periodically with newer filmmakers just wanting to ask questions and I'm happy to help, you know, whenever I can, I'll help. Yeah. There's other stuff I forgot, but... Well, you got to. I think the, the natural course, and I've always emphasized, especially with artists, especially when you work on a lot of big projects, I always have something next to work on because you're always going to think about the one that you're big. You know, you won't even want to go back and work on that, right? You know, or tinker it, but I always have something next to always work on. Yeah, I've found that for me, my mind, I cannot do, I cannot be in development or post on two things. I can obviously not be in production on more than one thing. I cannot be in post. On, so what I can be is I can be in release on one thing, post on one thing, and development on one thing. That's fine. But as soon as I go into production on anything, that's all there is. There's nothing but that yeah. production. Well, I think so, it's uh, you have to, especially when primary filming, there has to be 100% it's, focus. Yeah, we, yeah, I mean, it's completely absorptive. In fact, yeah. there's a scene in The Hunter where, which is based on my own experience, where the a director talks about how he became convinced that reality was plastic and malleable he had been spending day after day 20 hours on a set this happened to me after some stuff on in winter and he was one i was wandering around and i began to feel that i could just tell people like on the street to move i could change lighting so by directing for so long reality man to become plastic for me right i i have the delusional sense that i was the director 
I still have that delusional sense. It's, it's amusing to many of my colleagues. It's a hard, to, I mean, because I mean, I've done it too, because you work hard on your comic book, you're storyboarding, right, right. and it's all of a sudden it bleeds into, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, how does it for Mars coming off of like six hours in front of an editing? I mean, I'm sure reality is feeling a little different, you know, after six hours of editing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, it's interesting. That, so editing a project, especially like the Hunter, right? Um, yeah, there, there's so there's so much going on. There's so much. There's I mean, there's a, it's a communication process for for sure, right? Um, you you take all this footage of of different actors and they're communicating to each other in the footage, but then you have to like sync it up and like tighten everything up, and yeah. it's so it's a communication process. But my mouth is closed. I'm not. Like yeah, I know. Moving, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So then, after I come out of a session, I forget how to talk to people. I, <laughs> I don't, you know, because I, I know, especially when I write dialogue for my scripts, and then you hang around conversation, you're almost like, no, that's not the response you should be. Getting. You know, <laughs> you should. How about you answer it this way? <laughs> I, I actually, I actually feel like this speaks to the role of art, uh, if you want to call it spiritually. That is to say, um, the. I believe that that viewing art and creating art are related to the our freedom, and that actually doing this kind of creative work, it, it's it's it, you become a creator of worlds. You become yeah. you become not just passive, but you become. I think the Pope, uh, one of the not not the current Pope, but I think John Paul said, or some one of the recent popes talked about, and others. Tarkovsky talks about. If you if you take the idea of that God uh, is continuously and spontaneously creating the world at every moment, right? And if you say we are made in the image of God, which is a statement that it has been made, then our our work creating our art is, I believe, um, a a small finite and a, a finite and and humble a mirror a mirror image of of that creation that's always happening we're like how is it yeah. that we are creating how how does mar how do you create your comic book where does it really come from yeah. uh, people with a lot of ego are gonna say well i do uh, yeah of course i mean you it is your comic book but if you yeah. chat this is a challenge to any artist look at a painting that you made look at your own film look at your comic book and ask yourself who really made that like you know yeah. that it came through you but by your ego conscious agency, it was much more than that that created that work. It comes from beyond. Yeah. So it's like, and, and, and I'm sure the experience with your own creativity is sometimes like, what I I do that? Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. almost like, yeah. That I, yeah. I I I didn't do that. Right. It's Something too good. Than me. Yeah. 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 Ab absolutely. The the process is. The process of creation is is something that I believe the universe understands. You know, you look at like life and death right and um creation is like life i mean creation creation is like the sprout that turns into a tree creation yes. is like the child that is born creation is the, the, yeah. I, th I believe it's a process that the universe understands and as we are in the process of creating we are touching into a different a different realm for sure you know exactly I think, and I, yeah and i think that's actually very natural i know? think so too and i yeah. think when people say i'm not very creative it just means you just haven't found your groove yet mm -hmm. you've shut it down Keep yeah. finding it. Everybody's creative. I, I, that's how I see it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I know some of the most creative people that, that I've ever met, uh, don't acknowledge it, you know, and it's for whatever yeah. reason, but I, I, you know, so absolutely everybody, 
everybody is creative. Sure, everybody is unique and everybody will create in their own way. And you just have to go out and find it for yourself. Exactly. Um, we're about ready out of time. Um, I'd have to thank Kaylin, Alexander. Thanks for coming. I always like to talk to you guys. I get so much information. I get so inspired and I almost feel like I want to go back to working on my comic book every time I listen to you guys about being creative and process. And it's not just about movies. We're talking other deep philosophical themes, especially. And it's a wonderful thing. And I love to have that conversation, not just talk about movies on the surface, but what are we really talking about? Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pl uh, pleasure yeah. speaking with you. Thanks. Yeah, Nick, thanks a lot for doing this. And yeah. we'll be sure to give you advance notice for premieres and stuff so you can wonderful uh, come as our guest, but also just tell your audiences and yeah. la -da, all that stuff. Thank I you. would definitely will. Um, and as you guys know, it's not over till the guests say it's over. Which is hopefully not until the film is over. <laughs> <laughs>